0: Hello and welcome to Steel Wheel Stories with your host Chris Jowett and Jake Somerville where we talk about stories of collecting, restoring, and showing steam engines and prairie tractors made before 1930. Join us while we and guests share stories of the hunt, tales of restoring, and the memories we have made over the years.
1: hey everyone welcome back to steel wheel stories your host jake somerville and chris Jow as as always uh got a special guest from the great white north uh in canada is uh cody isaac uh cody you want to give a little intro
0: about yourself
2: hey i'm uh cody isaac from Rosendale, manitoba and i'm a machinist here at traction engine repair
0: how did you uh you know you say your machine is at traction engine repair what does that consist of what do you what do you guys do there
2: pretty much we we mostly just do machine work on steam engines and we we do like the machine shop is open for you know whoever walks in the door we do some work for farmers around the local area but it's mostly all steam engines okay yeah
1: who uh how long have you been working for for them and i guess who else like kind of works at the shop there
2: well, it's just pretty much it's just three guys right now. So, Trevor Ginter is the one that owns the shop, and I work for him. And his son Kyle also works here uh, doing all the sort of odd jobs in that. Gotcha. So, pretty pretty small shop really.
0: Stay plenty by the way it sounds.
2: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: How yeah. long is that how long has that business been
0: Going,
2: uh, just it hasn't been that long. We pretty much got going in August of last year.
1: Oh wow, so that's really pretty new. I guess I was thinking it was longer than that.
2: Yeah, like how I met I met Trevor in twenty what was it twenty twelve, <laughs> and that's kind of a funny story. I, Robert Bryce, uh, myself, Doug Ireland, and Trevor went down to Bo Nelson's. One weekend in, I want to say it was October and, uh, knew Doug and Rob pretty good. Uh, didn't know Trevor at all. And Rob wasn't living in Alberta at the time. And he left about probably nine or 10 o'clock or so in the evening, drove to my place in show Lake, got to my place at three in the morning and then drove to Trevor's and got there at five. And that was the first time I met him. Showing <laughs> oh, up boy. for his spot at five o'clock in the morning.
0: He had a on a road trip headed to Iowa.
2: Oh yeah, it was good.
0: I didn't realize
1: you were at
2: Bo's for that little shindig. Oh yeah,
0: it's really—you'll catch him in a couple <clears throat> old pictures. You know, it's young Cody. Then you know. Oh, oh man,
2: so. it's embarrassing. I look like I'm ten, even though <laughs> I was sixteen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, every every once in a while, that like stories from that weekend come out in conversations with, with Bo and them guys
2: oh that was a good one and unfortunately i missed that one yeah yeah and we like, haven't really been back too much since then unfortunately just the way it's worked out
0: sure yeah it seems like there's always a good story that comes out of that uh, weekend you know i've heard it from several people
2: yeah oh yeah
0: so yeah what, how did you uh you know or when and also you know how did you get going in the hobby when i mean has this been like a long lifelong thing or how'd you get started
2: it's pretty much been a lifelong thing how how i got into it was my grandpa and um like i grew up in show lake manitoba on a on a uh, cattle farm and the newest tractor that we had was a 4010 john Deere. oh wow so uh we still use the uh, D John Deere on the, on the bail wagon and had a D two cat for cleaning the pens out in the spring. So we had a little bit of old stuff that we still use quite a bit. And they always took me to the show at Austin from, well, as far back as I can remember anyway. And I was just always fascinated by it. But as far as the steam engines and prairie tractors end of it, I kind of got into that on my own. I was just always drawn to that more than you know than the 30s and 40s stuff so yeah yeah
0: would you say you're more of a steam guy or more of a tractor guy or
2: ah uh, that's hard to say uh i i'd say about half and half
0: half and half you're one of the only guys i've ever talked to they're just pretty die hard rumley b or e guy you know and oh yeah i really like- question sanity a lot of times when you say that and, <laughs> you know
2: yeah. Yeah. No, uh I don't know. Like even that part goes back to going to Austin when I was a kid. Like there used there was a older couple that had a B and an E at Austin. And well actually the um they had another guy for quite a while that ran the B but then when he passed away, uh the guy, he the guy ran the B and his wife or he ran the E and his wife ran the B. So and then, like I just remember watching them start it. it was, you know, just kind of pretty impressive when you're not much taller than the front wheel. So,
0: and that was, uh, I think I said that on the first episode. That was kind of like my first experience with a big prairie tractor. Was a E oil pull down here at Adrian, Missouri, and uh, Kevin Johnson owned it. I I still talk to him today. Uh, he still has the thing and all that stuff. And that was that was the first prairie tractor I was ever on, and and it's just a impressive machine to watch overall. And I think. I think no matter what, I think that always an e leaves an impression on somebody.
2: Oh yeah, it yeah. Does. And
1: when when it runs, it like shakes the ground too. I mean, spectator wise, yeah, it'd be pretty impressive if you never really
0: seen anything like that.
2: mm-hmm Yeah,
0: well probably wondering what the heck is that thing making all that noise? <laughs> thump, 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 bang!
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, there was a couple. Like I remember. Clyde Hall was telling us one time with his when he first got it going, and he had a uh, a small piece of tin that he'd used to put over the intake pipe to choke it, and it backfired and it drove that piece of tin and poked a hole in the roof.
0: Oh, <laughs> 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 I can believe it. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, it, they're they're mate machine, that's for sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, I can obviously, you know. A 3570 Minneapolis or an Altman Taylor, those are clearly, you know, if you had to be on one for days on end, it's, you know, the choice is pretty clear on that.
0: Sure. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you kind of got in this hobby on your own, you say, and uh, when did you kind of get your first steam engine or tractor and what was it?
2: Uh, Well, the first steam engine I got was in 2020 uh, 2576 solar Massey and bought it from, uh, Bill Graham up in, uh, Edmonton, Alberta. Um, and, <laughs> and I think, Chris, you said you mentioned Bill, you or you, you, you met him a time or two, haven't you? Me? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I met him, uh, yeah. The prairie plowing days in 21, I guess is what it was. And, uh, had heard lots of stories, had, had, heard a few or talked to a few people that knew him or talked to him before and stuff like that, you know. So until I met him in person and kind of put two and two together, it was interesting to meet the guy and talk to him.
2: Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely an interesting guy. He's done quite a bit in his lifetime. And like you say, when you when you met him, he said he he, he uh, kind of stands out a little bit. Just, yeah, just the way he looks.
0: Yeah, he just seemed, you know, it seems like, you know, he kind of seems like he was a guy that's just out to – you know, do something new or make money a different way or kind of an entrepreneur in a way, you know, and it's always good stories out of guys like that and just kind of sit there and wonder. It's like, man, these guys just had the idea to do this or do that. And it's just uh, the risk taking sometimes, you know?
2: Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Like he said, he's owned 28 businesses in his lifetime.
0: Wow. Like how?
2: Yeah. Just insane. So, and I mean, he is, he had quite a big collection too. He's, he sold off some of it now, but his collection was pretty impressive too. Yeah. 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 I've
0: seen pictures and different stuff that people have shared over the years and yeah, there's quite a bit of stuff.
1: hmm Yeah.
0: So what,
1: why this, uh, why this Sawyer Massey? Why, why'd you end up with that and
2: over um something else? Well, I had... I had been seriously looking for an engine a couple of years before that. I had looked at a, a twenty-eight George White that was missing most all the back end and we ended up finding most all the gearing to to put it together, but the uh the museum that has it didn't quite want to let it go, so it didn't get that one. Um I'm trying to think there was a couple other and they were basically anything that I looked at was a pretty major project. I didn't there wasn't anything real good that came up and then we were just talking to Bill on the phone one day and um he was having his second auction sale and I guess I should back up I first saw the engine in 2019 when we went to his first auction sale and at the time it was it was kind of for sale kind of you know one just one of those things and we had just looked at it just you know just for looking at it and didn't think much of it till we were on the phone a year later and made a deal on it. Cause he was going to put it into a second auction and pretty much had the deal done within two days. So it just, it just kind of fell together. It just pretty much. Yeah. It all fell into place. So, and that was, um, I want to say June of 2020 that we'd made the deal and then got it, uh, first week of August. He was of course during COVID. He, uh, he was in the, in the Dominican. And stuck there uh and then he finally got back to alberta um, at the end of july or so and then he had to quarantine for a bit and then we showed up right after that was done so
0: you were chomping at the bit
2: oh yeah like we got there the day that his quarantine ended so
0: <laughs> <laughs> had it all planned uh, out.
2: oh, oh yeah great. yeah and uh a good buddy of mine, Ryan sure He's uh, a trucker, and he he hauled it for me, and I rode with him on the way back, and that was just a really, really fun trip. So, yeah.
0: how far oh, yeah. was that from you?
2: Um, about twelve, thirteen hours away.
0: Oh, okay, quite a ways away then.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So what's a so this is that's a twenty-five single side mount, simple, correct?
2: Yes, that's right. Yeah,
1: and that's just that's just got single gearing. It doesn't have double gearing.
2: No, it no two gears. Um, now I want to say like the 17s and the twenties were pretty common in Ontario to have two speed gearing. I see. But this was more well, it's it's kind of a plowing engine. But they came out with these butt strap side mounts, and then the rear mounts came out right after, and then they quit making the butt strap side mounts like the uh, the bigger ones because it was a clear winter that the rear mounts were the real plowing engines so so uh, they didn't no. make a whole lot of them like by for by 1914 they're out of the catalog as far as i can tell so oh really yeah so there's not a whole lot that i know of like there's um three 22 or i guess 68s that i know of there's one in bc there's one here in manitoba and um um humans have got one in ontario with a new boiler on it that's a real dandy
1: Oh, well, I've got to say that I am a sucker for a really big sidebound engine, and, and that thing is awesome.
2: Oh yeah,
1: the, yeah. The, the, st- the stance is just awesome.
2: Yeah, the wide wheels are—they really make it.
1: Yeah. Are are they twenty six or are they thirties?
2: Thirties, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah.
2: The yeah. Uh, the 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 sixty eight sorters had twenty six wheels or twenty six inch wide wheels. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because my seventeen wheels are twenty four wide. Oh yeah. Yeah,
2: like, yeah. And those are yours is the real is a real oddball kind of 17. Like yeah. I've never seen another 17 with those wide wheels on it.
0: Yeah. Everybody told me it was only one that anybody knew of. or wasn't. Yeah. Uh-oh. But yep. uh, I, yeah, I, I'd be lying if I was, wasn't going to say that I was looking forward to your engine, hopefully coming to the U.S. here just so they could be side by side.
2: Oh, man. Me, too. I was I was looking forward to that getting the picture of them, too.
0: Mhm.
2: Because as far as you pretty much got the biggest and the smallest. Like the mine isn't the biggest. Like they they made a thirty and Reynolds has got one a thirty horse, which is a tandem compound. Uh huh. But physically, side- it's the same size. Side mount. Yes. Yeah.
0: So yours is the biggest single that they made.
2: In, in the side mount. Yeah. Side-
0: yeah.
1: So that'd be like the like a thirty and thirty-five advance scenario there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so
1: basically the same chassis. It's just a yeah. tan of compound cylinder on it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Have you done much to it, or was it? Not well really. It I mean, when you
2: got... I had it running three or four days after we brought it home. So, just a few, you know, just a few little odds and ends. I'm fixing up on it. I'm adding a few accessories that I've sort of picked up, and but no, I haven't done anything major to it i'd I'd like to do the eccentric here short in a little while it's it's got some wear on it but the nice thing about that engine was bill they did it in 1978 and at the time if i'm correct bill was i'm not sure if he owned it outright or if he was part owner of yellow tractor which was the cat dealer in, in edmonton and they brought that engine in there in the shop and did that in the winter of 77 78 a bunch of cat mechanics went at it and fixed it up they right. um they report the mains made a new crankshaft for it, board and bush the clutch and put it and put it all together
1: oh wow so you're starting with something that's already had a whole bunch of work done to it that's great
2: yeah i mean i was i was pretty fortunate to to find something that good right off the start
1: yeah absolutely so so have you run it much?
2: I ran it quite a bit the first year I had it and then didn't didn't run it at all last year with um, I because I was I almost ended up moving to the States. So that took up quite a bit of the summer and then this year I just got it out this weekend, so I hope to run it a lot this year. Got it I drove it down to uh, Trevor sawmill here just this weekend, so hopefully we'll get some time there with it.
0: Yeah, I'll look forward to the videos of that. You haven't got your other governor on there yet though, I saw.
2: No, I'm kind of working at that. It uh, the other gov the other waters. I've got a lot of those. The parts for were outside in the bush for quite a long time, and I'm having trouble trying to get everything apart. Yeah. It's uh, it's seized up pretty hard. Sure. Yeah. So, well, actually, and I did did plow with it the the second year I had it. I hooked two or three bottom cock shots together. You've
0: done uh, a prairie plow here pretty recently too, hadn't you, to kind of go with it?
2: Yeah, I've got a, a five bottom piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, nice. I'd like to add one more to it just to make it a six, but we'll see.
1: Is that the is that a lever lift piano or is that a power lift?
2: It's a lever lift, yeah. I see. Yeah, with uh, bricker bottoms on it. Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: That's, I've got a. Uh, five bottom, uh, power lift with, with, I guess the normal bottoms, whatever they call the Gen-
2: general stubble general bottoms, duty,
1: general duty or yeah stubble or something. I forget what they call them. Okay, call them something a little different.
2: Yeah, yeah. Those like those auto lift plows are sure neat to watch. I, I wouldn't mind one of them either.
1: Well, I need a chain for mine. I don't know. I I haven't been able to come across it. I think Brad said it's the same as uh, some manure spreader or something like that. But I can't ever remember oh, really? what it is. Oh yeah. And then I was out in Washington State here two summers ago, and I thought I found the right chain. So I uh, boxed it up at this guy's place and had it shift back and get it home and go to put it on the sprocket, and it wasn't the <laughs> it was not the right chain. <laughs> So <laughs> wasted, wasted all the the trouble of getting the thing boxed up and uh, shipped all the way back home, and so it's it's laying nothing. there in the sawmill shed there at my father in law's as a wall hanger now.
0: <laughs> nothing better to find some hundred year old chain.
1: <laughs> well, it was. It, it looked like it was the right one, and I I was so confident that it was the right one. <laughs> uh, Living, you learn.
2: So your plow you can operate it with levers also. You don't have to use the the power lift.
1: Correct. It's got okay. It's got yeah, it's got levers on it, but they're it's really hard to explain. Like the levers aren't kind of quote unquote attached to the, the bogey wheel that you know lifts the bottom up and down. Okay. It's, uh, it's like a it's separated and when you lift it like comes out of a cog. And then when the plow ends up going back in the ground. And it comes up and it catches back in the lever at the depth that you set, and then when you go back down the other way, you're, you're you're positively locked into that cog already, and then you can put the lever down. But when you have the power lift hooked up on it, you run a chain back to the bottom over the series of uh, pulleys and all sorts of stuff that you know lifts the bottoms up, and you, your lever ends up staying in the same you know depth setting uh, notch on the on the lever quadrant. And that plow is able to come up out of the ground because it is going opposite of what that positive cog that, that catches there, uh, what that does. So you can run it. Right. You know, kind of one way or the other.
2: Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I did have a, a four bottom model lift cockship before I had this P&O. Well, that's what I, I sort of traded for the cockship for the p and I think it's pretty similar to that Avery that you got, Chris, that you got with your 2550 Avery. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, it's just power lifts and that's it. No, no lever. There's a depth setting lever of some sort, if I remember right, and that's about it.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I, you I don't know
0: if
1: I've seen a, I don't know if I've seen a power lift or a auto lift cock shut.
2: Oh no! i there, there's a few up here. Well, wow.
1: Um, I would imagine cock shut
2: was built. in Canada. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Avery is the one that come up with the power lift design, though. because um, if, if memory serves, uh, Avery, Avery wanted to sell cockpit plows in the states, but they, like they they, they had to pay the uh, whatever you call it, duty um, the duty, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they had their name on them, and but then when the patent ran out, they just ended up, or they they come up with the power lift design and ended up doing that instead i guess later on
0: well if you look at uh cock shut beams and avery beams uh like they're almost identical like oh I, yeah i've heard about people switching them around and to be able to get parts and all that kind of stuff you know <laughs> i don't know where the stuff came from exactly maybe they were buying some stuff or, or going back and forth or something but uh pretty similar stuff you know
2: mm-hmm the one thing with power lift cock shut beams versus the lever lift is, at least on mine, the power lift ones had a, the beam at the back that the moldboard is bolted to is a, is a curved piece of that thick I-beam material. Oh, yeah. Where on the lever lift, were, it was a solid cast piece. Okay. Yeah.
0: I know that we ended up getting some beams when we finished our cock shut thigh bottom. Uh, from luke steinberger and they were physically the right size and all that stuff but they like the holes were maybe just a little bit off here and there on a couple like some of them bolted right up and a couple others we had to drill a couple holes in you know but nonetheless we got it together and it it got it working you know because at the time we just couldn't really find any other parts for it
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah i mean
2: when when you think about it (laughs) Steam engines are almost quite a bit easier to get a hold of than the gang plows are.
0: Sure. Oh yeah, that's that's for sure. It seems like even like I would have to say, I don't know. It seems like some guys have always had plows. I I know Dad and I have just kind of recently got plows, like say in the past, I don't know, five to eight years or something. But it almost seems like the past five to eight years, there's kind of been a a surge of collecting plows and stuff like t- that too. Some of the prices have really gotten. Drove up sometimes, I think. Oh man, yeah. Even for pretty big project plows, some of that stuff has brought some pretty decent money. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's I. I ended up putting a my ten bottom John Deere plow together uh, out of parts, just really because of that reason. But then, kind of right after that, that was in seventeen, I think, when I finished that. Uh, yeah, it seems like right after that, there was a whole bunch of plows that came up like, for sale, but. Yeah, the prices of the things have just kind of become oh, yeah. touchable for like a common common guy.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I but, mean, it's almost like you, you either buy the plow or buy the steam engine.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Man, I don't even know if there's... I'm going to say half a dozen prairie plows in the state of Michigan. I might be a little little light. There might be 10 plows in the whole state of Michigan. Like, they're just okay. Not, not prairie plows. It was never... Plow ground per se back right. in the day, um, so that uh, there's just not very many plows in in the state of Michigan. We never had one around here. We always plowed with a, uh and still do at our at our show. Uh, modern stuff, international uh, six and eight, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, six and eight bottom. everybody out modern. here
2: always gets gets a kick out of that.
1: <laughs> oh, watching them on YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, it does, it, the picture doesn't always come out super great because it's not period correct, but yeah the, the, <clears throat> the, the load variability and like, you know, cause you can basically go as deep as you want to with those things uh, to, you know, put a load on a 25 horse engine or, you know, pull the same plow and don't put it in the ground as far and put the, the demonstration on for the show uh, for, you know, like a 16 horse engine and I don't know, we've we've really got a lot of use out of them and it uh-huh. hasn't, hasn't really been at all but since I got mine together that there's been a prairie plow um at at the show and it's really kinda cool at Mason we get all three of those plows going. There's three engines out in the field making rounds together and I you don't know, Chris, you've been there. It's like plow time is like a happening
0: time at Mason. Oh yeah. <laughs> Everybody I mean the plow grounds are what? I don't know. A couple football fields' links from the show, kind of, you know, just kind of down a lane there, and man, the whole show migrates down there, and it's it's a thing. That's where you're at. If if you're going to be doing something, that's where you're at. Yeah. Oh
1: I'm yeah. You, that, that two o'clock on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Mason, it's just a it's a mad dash down the plow field, and there's I don't know, there's probably ten to fifteen engines at any given time that
0: go down there and plow. Oh um, wow. And even that, like you get guys just driving engines down there to watch and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just activity.
2: Yeah. How many acres do you do you got to plow? Uh,
1: it is a seven-acre field, and we usually plow it three times. <laughs> 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 we we get it pl- we get it plowed once, and then the tractor guys they they get kind of turned loose there, and like after we get done plowing for the day. And they disc it all back down and uh, they're pulling drags around and get it all fit back down. And the next day we go back out there and we plow it all again.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's not a whole <laughs> lot of available ground out your way. No, there's not. And
1: really how it started was the the show was not built on that. The, the plowing demonstrations really evolved in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. I mean, they, they've always plowed, but uh, I guess it really hasn't all. Been maybe since like seventeen or something like that that we've started replowing. Uh, it used to be we just plowed it once, and that kind of is what it it is what it was, and everybody kind of accepted that. Well, now it seems like more people are willing to go out and plow, and
2: it's you know,
1: you guys have both done it. Plowing's not for the the first time operator. Um, We're well, mm-hmm. pretty fortunate. We've got uh, a bunch of really experienced operators that. That come to basin and everybody's they want to get out and work their stuff. So um yeah, I don't know. We've we've evolved into this <laughs> three times over plowing. Uh it's kind of a goofy concept to accept it, but once you've done it, it's no. two, It it's kind of the norm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, i um, I ever saw that happen was up at uh Forest City, Iowa, you know, they go out there and plow that whole field, roll it all up, and then go back out there the next day, you know. Yeah, yep.
2: Yeah. You
1: gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, exactly. You can... If
2: you don't have any more ground, you <laughs> can't do much about it.
0: Yep, that's right. Yeah. So I'm gonna back up just a little bit. You were you were talking about before you got your Sawyer, you were looking at George White and then you ended up with your Sawyer and, and both of those are Canadian built engines. So was that were you pretty biased on a Canadian built engine for your first engine, or was that just the only thing available or, at the time? Or do you kind of lean one way or the other?
2: uh i wasn't too biased um a sawyer was was definitely higher up there um i i would have if if a case had come up i i would have picked that up probably Uh, yeah like as far as engines that are available up here like there was well of course there's lots of case there's some reeves some waterloos uh some gar scott's uh, although as far as Gar Scots though, but the only ones that were here are the 25 double and single rear mounts. Mm-hmm. There were, there's not a whole lot of the smaller ones around. Sure. Yeah. Um, really that's, I, if something else would have come up, I, I would have picked it up. I wasn't too picky really.
0: Really just after the first engine at the time, but yeah. Instead of, I
2: guess I shouldn't say that. If it, if it was a my turtle, I wouldn't have got it, probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> In the end, you ended up with a, a really nice, uh, pretty rare, you know, great first engine, really.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I lucked out on that one, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. Lots of people. Yeah. Get yeah, that's for sure.
2: No. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, even though, you know... Even though I'm a machinist, you know you have the skills to fix some of the stuff. Buying something that's pretty good to start with is it sure saves the time.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's what. Yeah. It's kind of funny. uh, Like when when we ended up with our Sawyer Massey, uh, I told my my son Sawyer. I told him. I said, you know, I said Sawyer. I said, I don't. I said we can't get a huge project. I said this thing has to be pretty decent. You know, I said. I just, we don't have time for it. We got so many other irons in the fire and right. by the time we got down there, it was kind of regardless of that fact, <laughs> everything was thrown out the window and Sawyer, he was just in love.
2: <laughs> oh, that's good.
0: So, but yeah, it's a, and then got pretty lucky too. It was, it was pretty, pretty ready to go. Did a few, little bit of work and, and, but not a ton of work and had yeah. a fun with it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've I've had a chance to pull the throttle on that engine, and it's it's pretty sweet. It's definitely a lot smoother than my engine, though, as far as uh, the shake or the wiggle, however you want to put it. Oh yeah, <laughs> mine's definitely quite a bit worse for that. Uh, but that it, don't bother me. Could you get the
1: like all the different uh, reverse gears on on the bigger Sawyer's that you could on the on like on yours, Chris? Well,
2: oh sorry, uh, go ahead.
1: Now, uh, what's the what is that valve gear on yours, Chris? Is it called a it's Wood, a wood brothers?
0: brothers valve gear? But like, as far as I understood, on like the simple <clears throat> toyers, you could either get link reverse or you could get the Wood Brothers valve gear, is the way I understood it. What's
2: got
1: what's on yours, Cody?
2: Uh, Woods, yeah. Okay. Like, basically, the the simples had the Wood Brothers and the compounds had a wolf, or uh, actually, I'm not positive if it's a. A wolf or a grimes? I'm not... I'm
0: pretty well, sure. I'm not wolf. sure. I think they're or whatever, so that's why. I think they're wolves. I'm pretty sure.
2: Isn't, yeah. a
1: grime, isn't a grimes just a wolf with an extra link that links the bottom of the rocker to the valve rod? And that makes it a grimes. They call it a grimes link. Like an.
2: As far as an, an extra link, the way I yeah. understood it was the link that connects the wood block is in the center of of the like center of the eccentric and on a wolf it's farther ahead. Uh-huh.
0: I Nonetheless, see. we both ended up with far superior yeah. about gears being... Oh, nice. yeah. I mean... And I'm pretty biased, but I was yeah. very happy that's what it had.
2: I mean, it says something when a 17-horse Sawyer can pretty much outdo a 50 case. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, as soon as I got it, got it running, like I always said, it was like a, a the mix of a 16 Advance and a, and a Wood Brothers, you know, like it, it yeah, it pretty fun engine, you know, in short couple, yeah. and having the big, fat, wide wheels on the back of it, and yeah. I, I, well, even uh, my other son, Sutton, with his Baker, like, I told him both, I said, you guys don't realize how lucky you are, see, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you'll, you'll never understand it, because you've always had it type thing, you
2: know? right. Yeah. No, I was pretty, like, when I first got my engine going, I was surprised with the exhaust note that it had. Like, yeah, it's one of the few, like, when I pulled the six bottoms with it going up a decent hill, my ears were actually ringing.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. My 17's really loud. I mean, when you oh, yeah, my 17 to my 22 horse Wood Brothers, there's no comparison. And the, and the 22 just has a two and a half inch pipe that goes all the way out of the exhaust. There's no preheater or anything. Uh, but it is cast iron stacked, and it's it's got a nice spark, don't get me wrong, but it's nothing compared to that seventeen. That thing is loud.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> we blew the spark arrestor apart. The sound <laughs> yeah, yeah, the I fall. remember that.
0: Yeah, last fall the rest of the mesh just gone. I seem to have that problem between that thing and the Gar Scott.
1: Yep.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, that Gar. If you get it, under, like normally I'll run it with a spark arrestor closed because so it doesn't spark you out, you know, and running wood around here we don't run a lot of coal around here you know and uh, you get that thing under a hard load on the dyno or something like that and I don't know like the lock on the spark arrestor doesn't hold and the spark arrestor will just it'll flop it open on you you know I've even got it <laughs> on video a couple times good hard pull and just it hinges over and it's open yeah it's kind of funny really
2: the, uh, the one of the first few times I ran mine I had it on Trevor's prony break and was was working it pretty hard and I had a, um, or Bill had put a, a cone spark arrestor, kind of like how they used to have that poke down in there uh-huh. when, he, when, when he goosed it pretty hard on the dyno, it wanted to push that thing right up out of there. Cause it was only held on by two bolts. <laughs> 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 oh,
0: that's pretty good.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, let's kind of break up the monotony, uh, uh, what we're talking about here and how you got in the hobby and all that stuff. And, Let's uh, get in on some of the question and answer. We've had a bunch more people uh, email us some questions that they'd like us to answer and whatnot. And I'd really like to get you involved, Cody, and, and our future guest. Um, I have a question here that was sent to us by Clayton Hendrickson. And I, when he sent it right off the bat, I was like, man, that's a good question. I never even, it never even crossed my mind as a question. So here it is. Uh, he says, here's a question for the podcast. If it hasn't been brought up already, if Corey Anderson can bring the 150 case back, to life, what would you guys bring back?
2: I think yeah. you know my answer to that.
0: <laughs> Jake and I talked about this beforehand. Yeah, so we we know.
1: we've got we've got money on this, Cody. We, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So an- answer this wisely. One
2: hundred and fifteen Sawyer. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh.
1: Yep. Oh yeah, without that's a what doubt. Figured. Yep. Tell what's the, the about... What's the deal? Yeah. What's the deal with those? What they didn't build very many of them, or.
2: I don't know too much about those actually. Um, I don't think they made very many. Well, and they didn't really start making them till late. Like, I don't think they come out till 11 or 12, if oh, I, so I had to guess. So,
1: most of the prairie or the big
2: prairie breaking down. Oh, yeah. Was most of it
1: out, out the window by then.
2: Yeah. I mean, a 12 by 14 engine with a Woods valve gear would sound pretty healthy.
1: Oh, I would think so. Yeah. Is there, be a of an engine. Is there, is there anything left?
2: There is one boiler and it's actually about 20 minutes from me right now. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. With the uh, smoke box door. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: What's the, what's the diameter on the barrel? Do you remember?
2: I want to say it's the same as 110. I think it's 38, 38 inches. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember.
0: And is that a side mount engine or a rear mount?
2: Rear mount. Rear. Yeah. yeah. I think the yeah. drivers were 84 inches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. that boiler that still exists, it's off that one like you know how like there's those uh, black and white pictures of that one that survived late and then it finally got scrapped in the 60s. Yeah. yeah. That's what that's that's that engine. I see. So. I mean, yeah, I don't know when I
0: when I thought about that question and I don't even know why, cause I've never really thought about it a lot. Uh, but like the first thing that came to my mind was in one of those uh, old books that kind of shows all the makes and whatnot. I can't remember the name of the book, like steam engine encyclopedia or something that my dad's. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a picture of that twin city steam engine and I don't know why, but that thing has just always kind of sparked my interest. And I was like, man, I just can't like, I don't know if they ever really did make any of those maybe somebody could tell me different, but I mean, you just, all you see is those one pictures like in those books and that's it. Yeah. Right. But that's, that was kind of my, that was my thought right off the bat. I was like, if I could recreate something, it'd be that, but it kind of seemed like the, it almost looked like a universal advance, you know, and advance Remly and uh, had some other features to it and whatnot, you know, but it just always kind of stuck in the back of my mind.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say if they actually ever did get to any like production on
0: those. Yeah, I don't know if there was ever I don't know where that picture <laughs> came from I don't know if that was in a catalog or what I mean it's a definitely a catalogy looking picture that's in that book uh, but it seems like the only place I've ever seen that picture is in that book and that's it yeah yeah, I think you're right
2: I'll have to go uh, digging in that because I can't I don't recall seeing that
0: oh really? Well,
2: I should have a look yeah
0: I think that isn't that the right you know, book like, he mentioned it? so the, it's like a red and blue faced book
1: no no it's, it's the brown book Okay. It's in the Steam Engine Encyclopedia, that Jack Norbeck book. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. See, I was thinking yeah. it was in that other one, but, anyways. I might be on that too. Yeah, it may be. I don't know. Yeah, uh, But, yeah, that's just, I don't know. always kind of stuck in my head. Something different, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that I thought of.
1: Uh, and, and I think the only reference to it is like a, a newspaper uh, article or a a little clip of, of one that existed, and that's a, that big Altman Taylor. I don't know what they call it, a 40 horse or something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yeah I, I kind of forgot about it. You and I talked a little bit earlier, and I forgot about it until kind of after that, and I was like, oh, man, that would be cool to see. You know, supposedly that thing was like in Iowa or South Dakota or something. And yeah, yeah, yeah kind of like nobody knows anything about it I don't know. that that one's kind of elusive and mysterious to me it'd be yeah if that was alive
0: I mean, it would be really really neat to see it yeah it makes you wonder like what i mean if there's newspaper clippings and all that stuff you know like what happened to that like people back then did they was that just scrap steel to him when the war came around or you know, nobody thought that was something they should keep around or nobody probably knew that it was what it was and as rare as it was or whatever, you know? Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: right. Yeah. Just a piece of farm equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's uh it's yeah. pretty crazy what we could do with today's technology. Just a uh, right amount of money, I guess, and all our dreams can come true. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: That in
0: time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh
1: yeah technology is really helping us along with these
0: projects
2: like especially pattern making now i mean man, oh, man. The, the time saving now with 3d printing stuff
0: sure yeah jake sent me a uh a link the other day to an app on your phone that'll uh make a uh a 3d oh what am i trying to say jake uh, a 3d scanner like, yeah from D scanner on your phone
2: oh really yeah. oh that'd yeah. be cool
0: I kind of shortly tried it out on like a coffee cup that was laying on my desk, and and I put it in SolidWorks, and like it worked pretty decent. Like I know there's fancier stuff out there. I've never really been around it at all. I've talked to uh, KR about it several times, uh, but I've never really been involved in it. But anyways, uh, like I could, I mean, I, I'm pretty proficient in SolidWorks. Like I could definitely do something with what I took, you know?
1: Yeah, and it looked like that app. I mean, it wasn't uh, like a plus or minus five thousandths. Uh... Uh, like point-to-point like tolerance or nothing but like it gives you pretty decent like imagery of like what it was scanning and yeah then you just take your solidworks and you have to do like a little bit of calculating to do this and that and uh but it's a it's a really cheap option to to get you a, kind of a baseline model in solidworks to
0: yeah i mean work
1: to work from
0: it basically puts it in there, and you can scale it to the scale of of something of a measurement that you know or that exists or what it's supposed to be. And yeah. then after that, like anybody, like any any of the three of us, could sit there and standardize it and think, okay, well, this diameter is this, and this diameter should be this, and the width should be this. And you know, as long as you you know how it is with some of those uh, castings, just kind of getting the general design and the look of it down is what you're really after most of the time, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. For sure.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: We, we've been doing doing that on the 30 advance project I've been working on. I talked about last episode, um, like here just recently, uh, green roll brackets that bolt to the bottom of the barrel. And uh, those are the last pieces that I'm missing. After I've got those in hand, that's, I'll have all the parts and pieces there to get the thing finished up and put together but uh, we went up and, and uh, visited with another guy that has a 30 and we took a 3d scanner that uh, my cousin's able to get his hands on. And uh, we, we scanned the brackets right off of the engine and kind of real time, like display the, the model or the image up on, the, uh, on the computer screen. And from there, take it into uh, SolidWorks, And yeah, like you said, Chris, just kind of get the 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 look of it down and then you can kind of go in and put the radiuses and you know all the other features onto it after that but once you got the look of it down um it's really easy and then it, to to print it just hit the button and walk away i mean it's pretty unbelievable what we've gotten out with technology
0: yeah the it's definitely came a long ways because the the old pattern maker just Man, it's the thing of the past anymore
2: oh yeah I mean like anything you know if you had another uh, lifetime to pursue another hobby even just pattern making I'd be something I'd be interested in doing but it's uh <laughs> it's obviously time pretty time consuming too
0: yeah I remember one time my uh, wife was trying to figure out what to get me for Christmas and this and that and I found a pattern making book or something or other and I sent her the link to it and I was like I don't know I think it'd be really cool to have this book like that's always something I'd like to know more about and all that kind of stuff and Uh and I think I've mentioned on here before like I'm a horrible reader and I I don't read a ton and I don't read stuff that I don't want to read but I could not get myself through that book I just I (laughs) I, don't think that I've read any more than 10 pages in that book you know. Uh, cause, cause it wasn't practical stuff to me. Like it was a book that says, okay, make the pattern to make this. Well, I don't want to make that. I want to make a steam engine part, you know? Yeah. Oh, exactly. And, and, and I just, I probably should have read it to get some more general ideas on things, but I never did. It's sitting on the bookshelf.
2: And that's kind of like me with CAD drawings. I, I took an evening class for a little bit when I was living in Brandon, cause <laughs> I, I've kicked around the idea of wanting to build the model of 115 soar, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I just couldn't get into it. Yeah. Drawing.
0: Yeah. When I first started doing SolidWorks, uh, which I just took some classes, uh, when I bought my edition and yeah, it was it was really hard. You go through there and you go through their books and, and general ways to use it and yada yada yada, but then applying that to what you need to do is a whole nother thing, you know. And it's a, Oh yeah it's a you know, it took me well it's I don't know how long I've been doing it now, but uh it's taken me years to get where I'm at now and I still learn different stuff all the time with it. I don't think that's, mm-hmm. and, and I'm pretty set in the ways that I do things also. So learning new things isn't as easy sometimes too, but uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a tool and, and there's many ways to use it. That's for sure. And, but using it the practicality, of what you need to do is the best part.
2: And the problem is even like with steam engine parts, they're pretty odd shaped. Like, I mean, for a beginner who's learning SolidWorks or whatever, you know, try drawing a uh, engine bed. Oh yeah. Yep. You know,
0: yeah. Yep, pretty intricate stuff. That's, I mean, them pattern makers back then. I look at a lot of stuff and I'm like, that guy was just trying to be an artist that day, he wasn't trying to make a part, you know. Yeah,
2: oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Core boxes are like a really mysterious thing to me. I just uh, the core whole core box thing doesn't make any sense to me. I just can't,
0: can't mm-hmm. right around it. Yeah, yeah. I've got a really good friend of mine that uh, I bought my Wood Brothers engine from, and uh, he uh, he was a pattern maker and all that stuff. And I, I run ideas off of him all the time and talking over the phone and even being in person with him sometimes. Like, I do not understand what he's talking about sometimes because until you do it and you see the final outcome, I don't know that you grasp that stuff a lot of times. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, that's hundred percent. Did you have any more Q and A questions? Uh, I had a yeah. So I've got another question here that will and we'll save some for later. We and like I said, if you have more questions, keep them coming. Uh, we love it. This is to me, it's a lot of fun. It keeps the conversation going, uh, and, and it kind of challenges me, anyways, uh, of the aspect oh. to come up with some answers and some good answers sometimes. Oh yeah. So we had a question from Ryan Johnson. He says, hey, guys, my name's Ryan, and I am a part of a small show in Eldon, Iowa called the Old Iron Show and Swap Meet. Uh, He's also a part of the Midwest Central Railroad in Mount Pleasant, Iowa. But anyways, my question is, how do you attract guys to bring steam engines to shows? Every few years, we might have a model or a full engine come in. We have have a sawmill and a thrashing machine to operate usually just with an old John Deere or Alice Chalmers, but we'd love to have an engine barking on them. Uh, the show's the last full weekend in September this year's the 22nd through the 24th in Eldon Iowa. Man yeah that's that's
2: kind of a, that's a really, really broad
0: to, question but yeah we, we've you know we've touched on this uh, for Jake's situation a few times uh, just because you guys have so many engines that are so close to your show um uh, you know and and your your show doesn't uh to my knowledge it doesn't help with trucking and stuff like that of any kind just because people are so close i guess um and you guys used to have a really local trucker that trucks stuff very reasonable it wasn't really a question either
1: well yeah so we we do the, the membership um so every every club is different in how they manage that um the, so the membership at, at Mason is, has always um, had their trucking paid for, whether you you brought it yourself or or not. There's money to reimburse, or there's uh, you know your trucking would be paid for if we had you know the truck or, you know a, a truck driver sent over there to pick your engine up. Um,
0: that's that's if kind of a member is an, what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's like that. That's an accolade of of being being a a, a worthy like participating member is your engine hauled in for free and, um, you know, you work, work throughout the year to keep the, the grounds up and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, to, our situation would not necessarily apply to the, the question here, but it's something that comes up a lot. Uh, and I, I've heard it, and there's lots and lots of variables to uh, the attracting of, uh, of engines. One is the, the trucking bill. If you could get trucking figured out, I don't know as if you really have too much of an issue getting someone to bring an engine. Um, yeah, that's, if, I agree. Like if you, if you said, yeah, I'll, I'll truck it there. Like, I mean, if you were to ask me that I, I live in Michigan and your shows in Iowa, like i I'm, I'm not saying I would bring it, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, I'm not saying you would ask me to bring it either because there are hundreds of engines closer, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, for me personally, if someone said, "Hey, I'd like to bring your engine to the show and we'll pay for trucking," I'm more than likely going to say, "Yeah, that's that sounds sounds good. I'll I'll do that."
2: Yeah, but um, not for Manitoba. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah, there's, there's got to be some limitations
1: here. Oh
0: yeah. yeah. What is, what do, what are the shows up by you, Cody? What do they do? Do most engines stay there at the shows, or is lots of hauling done? Or
2: um, well, just recently, at, like at the show at Austin uh there's been some private sheds built up where you well and you um you purchase a lease for a stall in the shed Mm -hmm. and then guys can leave their engines there most like most of the engines that are at austin like that have been there for a long time are owned by the show there's a couple private ones but Mm -hmm. most of the stuff is is owned by the show
0: and i get i mean uh just to kind of let people know like how many miles are we talking between show to show? I mean, you guys are pretty spread out show to show, aren't you?
2: hmm Like there's really only two shows in Manitoba that I go to. There's the show at Austin, which is the main one. And then Killarney's got a nice little deal there mm-hmm. uh, just before Austin. And then the rest are go to in the States. Yeah. I'd like to, there's a couple like, I'd like to go to pioneer acres at Iracana and Alberta uh that's on the list but haven't made it there yet
0: yeah yeah. So yeah i mean that would be my kind of recommendation ryan is that you know if lots of times if you offer to if the club can pay for some trucking or get the engine there for the person most steam engine owners are pretty game to come for the show and and run their engine and and have a good time uh lots of times it is just the logistics of getting their engine there um uh, you know, and some some engine owners, you know, own their own truck and trailer and a little help for right. some fuel and stuff like that, and they're good to go. I mean, uh, before we owned our own truck and trailer, I mean, that was that was the main reason why we went to most of the shows around us is because the shows did help with trucking. Uh, they knew that if they hauled an engine up, they would see us there and that we would run our engine all weekend and, and all that kind of stuff and just kind of stay at it and... Lots of times, like we kind of call it the the summer tour, you know, in a way, lots of our engines, we haul into Lathrop in the spring, and then they go to Platte City, and then they go to Hamilton, and mm-hmm. go back to Lathrop, uh, sometimes over, sometimes not really in the that little circle, uh, but some, every once in a while, they'd get hauled from Lathrop over to uh, McClough Kansas and, and stuff like that and sometimes anymore most of the time it's just something separately gets hold to McClough but the McCloud show once again they've always been great about helping out with trucking or lots of times one of the club members had a truck and trailer they'd come get our engine and uh, then we would show up at the show because for us I mean the shows are our vacations that's what we do you know so uh, right oh yeah, that's, that's what I would suggest is you know talk to some individuals you're fairly close to old thrashers there at Mount Pleasant you know talk to some of the engine owners and you know, get their opinion and see who maybe lives closer and stuff like that about getting an engine there. And I think if you figure out the logistics, uh, you'll probably get somebody there to thrash and solve for you and have a good show. Probably yeah. the other. Well, I guess there's
1: two two other things like of consideration. So if someone was going to ask me to, to bring an engine uh, after trucking, the next next question out of my mouth would be, you know, what, what do you have for fuel? Is it, are you supplying the wood and water? Because if if you don't have wood and water, then um, then you're gonna be asking that person to be bringing their own wood and water too, and that first team engine and stuff. That's it's just a big consideration. And me being part of this big club here in at Mason, you know, the membership spends countless hours throughout the year cutting and splitting firewood for the three day show. Yeah. So. Um, you know, to to be asked to to go to another show, or, you know, bring bring your engine to another show, and you know, if there, if there's not wood and water there already, you know, that's that's another consideration. Um And then the 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 third one is going to be just the <clears throat> the the activity. Um, and again, this is me just me personally. If someone was going to ask me to to bring an engine to a show and there was nothing for the engine to do other than ride around. It's probably not going to be. A, that
2: That's what I was going to say too. having, having a couple things that you can do with the engine makes a big difference.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Like what, what do you actually want out of getting my engine there? Do you want a real demonstration? Like, are you going to have a sawmill there? Or are you going to saw logs? Or are you going yeah. to go and actually thrash like several loads of wheat? Or are you going to actually put a demonstration on versus just sitting there and boiling
0: water? Yeah. Yeah, I think most steam engine owners are pretty geared to wanting to do something and stay pretty active.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's a lot of effort. it's a lot of effort
1: to to get one somewhere and get it steamed up and you know ready to go and you don't necessarily want to do that for kind of quote unquote nothing just to to boil water. Sure. Mm-hmm. But those those three things: trucking, fuel, and uh yeah activity stuff to do those two do you, things for consideration
2: what do you guys burn at mason mostly
1: uh man i don't know we've got a gigantic uh, pile of split firewood um, okay and i mean it's it's huge it's a mountain and uh, <laughs> and then uh, there's a there's a huge coal pile also we just got a, another 21 ton uh, lead and pup uh, load delivered uh, on Sunday. So we just got another another whole bunch of coal and uh, Mason again. I'm biased and speaking to to our shows. Uh, there there's just a ton of activity at Mason and there's people on the dyno and and the uh, on the power reader and pulling on the fan. And they we saw from ten o'clock till five o'clock every day. We plow once on Friday and we plow. Two different times on Saturday, and then we plow once on Sunday. You know, I, there's about thirty, usually thirty to thirty-five steam engines fired up, so we go through a ton of fuel through that three days. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, the the water towers. I mean, I don't know how many gallons of water the water towers are, but uh, as soon as the show starts, I mean, there's engines at the water towers basically all day long, and You know, it's just fed with a little uh, water pump from a well. And, you know, I don't think that thing shuts off until Sunday, you know, Sunday afternoon or whatever. We're using water all the time, too. So there's, yeah, there's a lot to consider there, If how how big you want to start getting something, too.
0: Yeah, and I just, and also just, uh, you know, if you're trying to get somebody there with an engine, just... Stay pretty accommodating, you know, if the engine guy, you know, kind of says, hey, can we do this different or can we get this or we can get that? You know, if you want to keep him there, you know, just do whatever you can to make the guy happy, you know, and, and, and make sure that he's putting on a good show, too, for asking different things. But, you know, you want to keep steam engine guy happy. If you keep steam engine guy happy, he's going to stay there and hang out and come back every year.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I would agree.
2: Yeah. Being able to store something at the show was a big plus.
0: Yeah, that's uh, you know, well, we've touched on that before on here too. Is that, you yeah. know, that Jake and them just don't do it all, and stuff <laughs> you've done occasionally, and it sounds like it's pretty normal up in your neck of the woods.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Mason, there uh, for whatever reason, there's there's two steam engines that stay at the grounds, and it's not necessarily because they come out every year either. It's I, I actually don't I don't really know the reason why they're there. <laughs> uh, other than that they've always been there my entire life so um, yeah, know everything is just so close and when I say that I kind of put quotations up in the air I mean within like 45 minutes you could get I don't know I, I think I said this before if you put a uh, a dot in Mason and then you drew a like a 50 mile radius around Mason you could have 150 steam engines
2: oh That's wow yeah. really
1: really densely populated area so Trucking is uh, I don't know, we probably spend uh twelve, fifteen thousand dollars every year on trucking. Um but that that twelve or fifteen thousand that gets thirty to thirty-five steam engines to and from the showgrounds in that, that two week time period.
2: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, as we're talking about, you know, where we live at and stuff like that, um uh... Cody, why don't you touch a little bit on like what was the what was the steam era like there in Manitoba? Like was there a ton of engines around? Was it pretty sparse even back then? Or what were engines doing in your area?
2: Um, in the eighties and nineties it was booming pretty good. Uh like at Austin there used to be twenty to thirty engines easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just gotten harder and just a little more expensive for the average guy to you know, could the engine inspect progression
0: crews and stuff like that up there or?
2: oh like are you talking way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was pretty common. Oh yeah.
0: And lots of yeah. ground are pretty sparse like the shows
2: or uh, and at, at show well there really isn't a ton there wasn't a ton of shows in Manitoba. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like pretty much Austin, Killarney. And there's a few private guys that had put shows on and, and still do. But as far as public ones, not a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's one of your favorite shows between what's in Canada and what's here in the States that you've been to?
2: Uh, it's probably a toss-up between Crosby and Rolag. Yeah. 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 Just... And rolog, I mean Rolog's pretty tough because I mean it you've got such a variety there. Like not just steam engines, but there's just so much for even like just the average person to see. Sure. It's so widely varied.
1: That is a fact. There is something <laughs> yeah. for everybody there.
2: But, I mean, I could I could sit through the whole three days at that Brian Rowan Mill and just watch that, too. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think everybody that is into the steam engine hobby can oh, yeah. say the same thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is really impressive. Yeah.
2: I mean, it, it's kind of funny. There was uh, a How Colony near us that bought a bandsaw mill, and Buddy Trevor was over, kind of giving them a hand, setting it up, and they were... Like they're they're going pretty slow. And then Trevor shows them some videos or pictures of the Brian Rowan mill just it's just going like you know, like way, way faster than what they're doing. They just they just can't believe it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Where are, there's a there's a band mill at is it Itasca? Isn't that where oh, yeah. has his I think there's a band mill there at where Nar's yeah. got his twenty eight Minneapolis.
2: Yeah. I've never been there yet. That's on the list of stuff to see. It's, I mean, it's not every day you get to see a Corliss at, you know, at operating RPM, to actually doing something.
1: Right, right. I like. I'd, I don't know if I've seen a. Uh, Say, like, I think there's a band mill at Baraboo also, but I don't think it was running when I've been there. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I've ever there's- seen. Seen one actually in action.
2: But even like back in the 50s and 60s, well, 40s to the 60s, there were still a lot of steam engine sawmills around here in Manitoba, and especially in uh, Riding Mountain National Park. Oh, yeah. There was a ton there. There's probably still an engine or two that were waiting to come out.
0: Huh. So lots of, I mean, there was lots of timber country up in your guys' area too, wasn't there? So oh, yeah. Stuff like yeah. that.
2: There's even a few guys local here that have their own band mills.
0: So, what are you working on in the shop right now? Any big projects going on? Or
2: uh, mostly Trevor's twenty six American Able. It's it's been in the shop for a few years now. It it's uh, it's almost finished. It should be coming out here in another month or so. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. It's dragged on a lot longer than we wanted to, but kind of run into some blocks along the way.
0: Sure, yeah, that'd be a neat one. I've seen a few pictures of that.
2: Yeah, yeah. That thing had quite a few uh you know, if you if you can have an hour meter on a steam engine, I'd love to know what's on this one. Just (laughs) it's been around the world a couple
1: times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: Man, you could tell stories. It was still sawn up until the fifties and actually the eccentric strap that was on it is fabricated just out of like quarter inch sheet metal all welded together. Oh, wow. Yeah, because the original one broke or blew up, I guess. Yeah. So, got that recast and a few other things.
0: Yeah, that'll be a neat one to see back going. I'm sure you guys will have a lot of fun with that.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially with that balanced valve gear that it has. It's pretty sweet to operate. He had it. Trevor had it at the show when we did the... uh, uh, threshing the harvest for hope threshing record at austin 2016 oh yeah that was but then that after that that's when it kind of came into the shop for a a rebuild he had just bought it that same year or year before so
0: yeah that's a compound right
2: no uh simple
0: okay 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 yeah 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 that's a a good looking engine too looks like an advance
2: Yeah. yeah yeah
0: there's always the argument who was copying who there
2: Oh, I know it gets pretty thick.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that's going to trigger some of our other Canadian friends. Oh yes,
2: <laughs> one in particular. Yeah, oh, it's so. all good though. <laughs> uh,
1: that uh, that thrashing thing was kind of a a big deal. I kind of wish I could have made it to that, but unfortunately, that's the same or that was the same week, weekend, I should say, as our the show here in Mason. But yeah, man, I wish I wish I could have been to that.
0: Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about that, Cody? Because I, I I mean I know what it is and Jake know what it is, but I, I don't think the, the people younger than us probably know a lot about that or even heard about it. Right.
2: Yeah. Well it was a record that was kind of spawned off of uh the record that had been previously set at Langenberg, which is in twenty thirteen, I wanna say. And I can't remember how many thresh machines was there. It was I want to say like 38 or 40, something like that. And then another group in St. Adalbert, I I think is the name, bumped it up quite a bit uh, to 111. And that was in 2015. So then the goal in 2016 was to do 150. And I think we ended up with 100 and I, I wish I could remember this. 148, I want to say, that were operating.
0: And pulled by steam engine and prairie tractor type stuff, or just anything?
2: Um, I would say mostly smaller gas tractors, like from the 30s and newer. There was definitely a fair bit of steam and gas, like prairie tractors that made it there, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Man, the Back work that goes into all that stuff.
2: Oh man! <laughs> oh man! You, oh, I don't think we'll be doing a record like that again.
1: <laughs> oh, all the belts! Just keep keeping belts on those thrash machines. Oh, Child, making
2: all the belts! Man. Like one guy that you got to give credit for lives here local is the uh, Helmet Newfelt. He he started fixing up thrash machines that the show owned two years before that that event. Yeah. Just he he put a pile of work into those and even trying to resurrect the wooden ones, which is something else, because those are really you know, they're really works of art.
1: Yeah, yeah, they are. They are.
2: So but yeah, I had my twenty thirty W Rumley that I had at the time there with the club at Strathclair uh had a twenty two inch Avery separator. So that's what I had there. Oh okay. Yeah. No. Yeah, and it, it was surprising that we pulled it off because menu. It's it's really interesting to hear all the stories of after of how many things went wrong. Like, oh, it's it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Who kind of like who kind of started all that up, or really uh, who rounded all that stuff up, or was it a group of people, or?
2: It, yeah, it was a it was a big group of people that really put all the work into that. Not just yeah. one main guy. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I
0: remember reading about it and. Uh, and all that stuff, and at the time, until I read about it, I didn't really know it was something that was going to happen either, I guess, but I remember seeing it in all the magazines.
1: There were a yeah. bunch of guys from this area that went.
2: Oh, yeah? Okay.
1: Yeah, there was a big group of people that went up yeah. there.
2: It definitely drew a crowd. There was a lot of people there.
1: They did... Yeah. They did a, something similar and Clayton... Hendrickson, if he was on here, he'd spit it right out. They did something at uh, Rock River or Edgerton, Wisconsin. There, yeah, I think okay. there was twenty-eight or something like that. And it, I think that was all steam engines.
2: And oh, we really? Our, well, that's cool.
1: We had our twenty-eight Minneapolis air, and uh, I remember being there. I was little at the time. That was, I was probably six or eight, maybe. Uh, I remember
2: reading about that. Yeah. Can't remember the the year that they did that in, but yeah I, can't, yeah,
1: I can't remember. Yeah, we'll have to ask Clayton next time we see him <laughs> <if that> was, <laughs> Well, have, we can recap. We'll bring it bring it back to the listeners. We'll let you know. Yeah, uh, but it, yeah, it's really cool to see all that stuff happening. Yeah, like, cool event. That's like plowing with the uh, at Wasion they did. I think they did 50 bottoms with the with a 25, a 30, and a 36 Rumley steam engine. Oh yeah. And then, uh, obviously Rant, Rantool, they did the, the 310s. Um, you guys did something with oil poles or something, didn't you?
2: Yeah, we did 66 bottoms with five e uh, oil e oil poles.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder when the next thing like that will come up i guess it might be up, up to some of us to, to start putting that together because we're kind of that generation of coordinators anymore
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know yeah. prairie plowing days we pulled uh i mean i don't remember if it was 50 or 55 bottoms with three cat 60s oh uh, yeah that's right yeah. oh really okay brad yeah. smith and kirk core they kind of had that up and uh Man, it took a ton of work uh, to kind of get all that lined up and started and all that kind of stuff, but it w- it was pretty neat to see all three of them cackling out there. And, uh, and Yeah.
2: All. When's the I next prairie plowing days out there?
0: I thought Dad was talking to Brad just the other day, and I had in my head that it was 2025, and it may be, but it's either 25 or 26, I think, is kind of what they're talking about.
2: Okay. I really, almost I really wanted to go with the last one there, but didn't end up making it.
0: Yeah, it, it was a ton of fun. We we had a good time, and uh, lots of stuff out yeah. there. Lots of prairie tractors plowing, and the 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 HCA show, the Historical Historical Construction Equipment Association. Uh, they show they had their national show there at the same time, and man, I mean i I'd, I'd been to the one out of Bowling Green before, but then to see the amount of stuff that they brought in there, and and I'm saying amount of stuff. I'm also saying amount of stuff from all over the place. So it also got a lot of people from out east. But then it got a lot of people from just around that area, too, from anywhere between Oklahoma and Kansas and Nebraska. uh, They heard about this thing going on, and boy, they started pulling stuff out of the weeds. You know, you'd seen oddball stuff there that uh, you just didn't even know existed that was sitting in somebody's uh, fence row that they knew it was something neat and knew it was something rare. And, you know, like there was some weirdo scraper stuff I seen when we were there, and it it was a neat show. It was really neat. I, I look forward to having it again yeah
2: yeah one thing i'd like to see or try to do more here is uh pull a pull a grader with a steam engine that's just not something that gets done here oh yeah at all
0: do it a lot around our house because we live on the gravel road of course Uh, Mm -hmm. i haven't done it as much in the past few years anyways it seems like between we were you know we always had our little fall get together and uh get busy saw and and that for a little while we were thrashing and stuff like that and uh you know but it seemed like every once in a while there was still a group of guys that would go out and grade the road and stuff like that but we just it's been a few the last time i guess i remember uh our buddy chris Hudson i came down and took our altman taylor and was grading with it and that's been a few years ago now that was a fun time well you
1: were grading with that uh whole 70 too.
0: Yeah, the, We're Yeah, that was the yeah, year seventy-five. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the year before that, though, and that was Chris once again. He did that too. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess Chris, if you're listening, you need to come back so we can do some grading.
1: There you so, go. Do it, with, do it with the Baker or the Sawyer Massey that's got rubber on the wheels. Yeah, be a lot, a lot smoother
0: ride. Yeah, yeah. It was a uh, man that last time. Uh, with all, it was a lot of fun. That was kind of like the, I think that was like the first year that we had really ran it a lot uh, there that fall time. I guess we thrashed with it and stalled with it, and then Chris went and took a grading here, and that may even been the second year after we'd had it. Kind of uh, went through it a little bit, but uh, anyways, Chris he had taken the thing down the road towards the highway and then back, and then uh he was down the other end of the road we live on a dead end of the road so he was down towards the other end of the road and went to turn around and you know we had put new linings on all the clutches and everything and uh you know how it is you know you'll run it for a little while and you got just adjust the clutch and then finally they kind of get worn in and he went to back up and the thing uh wouldn't back up <laughs> and the clutch slipping. He really didn't want to shut the tractor off. You know, it was good and hot, and not saying that it wouldn't restart, but he just, we, we were both, we were all kind of stubborn. It was later in the day, and it's like, oh, I don't know. I'll come down there and I'll pull you backwards or whatever, you know. <laughs> I got all the way down there as I was in my doodle bug, and it was probably the stupidest thing ever. And I hooked chain to it. I never, you were going
2: to pull it with the doodle bug?
0: Yeah. That was, <laughs> and I never did pull it. I, I did hook a chain to it, and I'm pretty sure my, Model A is now like uh, kind of cattywampus in the frame because it's pulled harder on one side of the frame. <laughs> <laughs> there. We pulled the thing backwards and went going again. But uh, since then, the the reverse clutch has been adjusted. There, they'll pull the clutch anyways, and everything's good to go. <laughs> so, but it was pretty comical that year. No uh, good times. So. Yeah. Well, I'd say uh Cody. uh we had a great time as usual uh look oh, forward, no problem look forward to some more stories mean, you You'll have to come back to some more ammunition here and tell us about what you've been doing and, and how your shows over the summer went and all that kind of stuff
2: oh yeah for sure i mean now this year i plan to run the sawyer quite a bit more so hopefully we'll have to I'll have some more pictures of it doing something and
0: all that yeah yeah so yeah, just uh, stick it on a trailer and and bring it down. You know, you can bring it down here. We'll saw with it in the fall or whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah, know, get mixed up in customs and whatnot. You can just leave it down here. It'll be fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if you want to bring it to Michigan the weekend after uh, Labor Day, that's where Chris is going to be in Michigan. We're going to be we'll be we'll be plowing it at, uh, at uh, our place. So uh, bring it down. Bring your plows and come out. Oh yeah. Come out oh, that'd home. be
2: awesome. Yeah. We hope to do a little bit of plowing here in the fall. There's some uh, ground that Trevor wants to break, so that'll be fun.
0: Oh, yeah. That'll be cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks for being on, and uh, we'll catch up with you next time, Cody. We appreciate it.
2: Sure. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. All right.